Welcome back to another episode of Suncast, the official podcast of Somos Unidos News and your source for the latest news on the Mexico United. I'm one of your hosts, Seth Bidoff, and coming up on this week's show, there's a showdown in Tampa. Mayor Tim Keller starts studying, and could the USL not return until May? This is, of course, episode number 21 of our show, and we want to thank everyone for their continued support of what we do here on the Suncast. We wouldn't be here without each and every one of you as you tune into the podcast through your podcast services or join us here live on Twitch each and every week. With the continued growth of the show, we did decide to come over here to Twitch where you guys can be a part of the show and interact with uh, Jacob Earl and myself as we record each and every episode by jumping into the chat and leaving your questions and comments for us. And you will, you will be put on the podcast every week. Normally, this is where I'd say before each and every match day when I do have written content on my website, but the season is over. So we have no content currently. We are working on some things. We're working on some plans. But uh, yeah, I'll, do be sure to go check out our website, dadventuresmedia.com. We do blog about big dads, and sometimes we have video game news and notes over there as well. Now that all of that is out of the way, Jacob, Earl, you guys are both here. Uh, you're both co-hosting with me this week. I do have one question for you guys. As adults, as folks who either own or rent a home, what is your single biggest near mishap with your home? Stumped me on this one, Seth. Oh, all right. Can you give me minutes to make sure my wife's asleep? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about this yet. You, you know, you know that Earl, being in Moriarty, has some kind of crazy story about bur- almost burning his house down with fireworks. Like that's <laughs> that's got to be coming, right, Earl? Yes. Yes, I knew it. Yes. Oh, so five toes over here. Obviously, everyone knows I live in Moriarty, um, Hillbilly, neck of the woods. Uh, if they don't, they do now. And if they don't, hey, everybody, I live here in Moriarty. Good luck finding me. Um, so one day, me and my wife decided to do some renovations over here at the house. And we were trying to hook up electricity to our garage. So we hooked up to the breaker box into our house. Went underneath the house, did the whole nine yards, ran some conduit, ran the wiring, everything we're supposed to actually do. Um, so guess what, everybody? I'm not an electrician. Wow. Yeah, believe it or not, I'm not an electrician. I decided to pop every breaker in the house, including the outside, um, because I hooked up the wrong wires to something. I don't know what I did wrong. It did take my father-in-law coming and figuring it out <laughs> to to say, "Hey, look, you did that backwards." Thanks, everybody. Almost burnt my house down. So, side note: not house related. I actually did that with a pair of jumper cables once. Put <laughs> backwards, and the wires fried. Car started, but the wires fried. So, and then just on another crazy thing that I do around my house. Some reason, I think I'm a DIY man, and I could do it myself. So my uh my well went out one day. The little switch went out. We figured out it was a little stupid pressure switch. We ran over to Hearts. Um, shameless plug for them, I guess. And <laughs> picked up the part that I needed. Came back, and my buddy's like, "Well, let's let's uh flip the switch. See if we can hard reset it real quick." Oh, all right. So he's like, get the screwdriver, 
and force it up. When I say now, force it up, that should work. All right, so he did it backwards and he turned on the power while I'm touching this piece of metal. It's only 220 amps that ran through my body pretty freaking quick. See, all of these things are why I just don't do anything. <laughs> if, something breaks, <laughs> if something breaks, I call a professional because I don't want to die and I don't want to burn the house down. You know, I will admit, being a homeowner, I have actually learned a few things. You know, I've learned how to fix a, a garbage disposal. I've learned how to unclog my dishwasher, among some other things, you know. But so if you're not in the greater Albuquerque or really all of the Mexico area, you may not know that we had a massive snowstorm yesterday where pretty much the entire state got covered with. Yeah, I, I, you may have missed it, Earl. I don't know. But uh the, the entire, basically the entire state was covered with five to eight inches of snow, depending on where you're at, if not more. And depending on, depending on where you're at, it's still going on. We're still getting yeah. snow right now. We've been getting snow all day. Like that's why I'm not working tomorrow is because the forecast is calling for it through most of the night. And there's already probably eight inches on the ground. Yeah. It finally yeah, stopped I, for us early today. If you're not here, you're not used to the snow. This is definitely un- unseasonably soon for us to get at least the snow of any kind, but let alone this much snow. Um, and the other thing about not living in New Mexico is you may not be familiar with what a swamp cooler is, an evaporative cooler. An evaporative cooler is basically, think of an air conditioner for those of you back east, but instead of have, having like Freon and coolant and all that, whatever, all that kind of stuff in it, and just being electrical, it is Wet-draw. a... Yeah, basically wet straw or wet foam pads that you put inside of a box, and it's got a basin that's filled with water, and it basically recirculates the water through it. And then there's a turbine or a fan that sucks the air through the, through these wet pads, and it cools it down and blows into your house. Well, typically what you do is at the end of the summer season, or you know as it gets towards winter, which we had no indication was coming at any point soon until the snowstorm, you go and you drain the basin of the swamp cooler. Seth, where is this going? Guess who did not drain the swamp cooler this past weekend? Seth. <laughs> Seth. Yes. We knew it was going to be freezing for like three days. You had three days <laughs> before it actually started freezing to get this done. How often are the weathermen in New Mexico correct? Wait, 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 wait. Time out, time out, time out, time out. <laughs> Just a reminder that this is not a political post or a political page. <laughs> no, no, this is not this is not political by any means. But like, it's, how accurate are they when they nine times out of ten they say it's going to snow or it's going to rain? It doesn't happen. Typically, though, typically if they say the cold is going to be twenty four, then <laughs> it's at least going to be twenty eight, maybe thirty at the highest. So it's going to be below freezing no matter what. Like, I was at the point where I was, where I said, I believe it's going to snow when I see the snow. It was not the important thing. The cold is what's important, and it was going to be cold. Well, see, I, I honestly didn't even think it was going to get that cold. And so, I, and, I, and really, it wasn't that cold yesterday. If you think about it, compared to today, like it was a good, you know, 10, 15 degrees warmer yesterday. It was still snowing. You, like, you have to realize that we're not in Albuquerque. Yeah. So, for me, yesterday, the high was 21. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And today the high I was left like my 30. house yesterday 
And when I left my house at 7.45, it was 12 degrees outside. Wow. When I got to Albuquerque at 12.45-ish, give or take that time, it was already 19 degrees outside in Albuquerque. <laughs> so how did this end, Seth? Do you, okay. have, do you have a roof still? Like, yeah, we have a roof. And like I said, it, the temperature yesterday was only in, like, it was in the 40s yesterday. It wasn't even like 32 degrees. It wasn't below freezing. So yesterday afternoon, after Erin woke up, because she worked the night before, I told her, you know, it's probably around 4, 35 o'clock. I went to the room, you know, because I've been working all day. Threw on some, you know, threw on some different clothes, and I'm going to go up on the roof. She goes, why? I said, well, I have to drink the swamp cooler. <laughs> and so pulled out the ladder in the snow, climbed up on top of the roof, and proceeded to drink the swamp cooler and unplug it, shut it all down, and all that kind of stuff, get it turned off for the year without slipping and falling, without breaking anything, and without anything being frozen over. So it, uh, it actually turned out pretty well, especially considering it's going to be back in the 60s here again in the next few days. So, um, yeah, it was uh, definitely something I probably should have done over the weekend, but do not recommend doing it in the middle of a snowstorm. And... Uh, Gets to be a little chilly on the, around that around the extremities, so just a little bit, just a little bit. Time out, time out, time out. So <laughs> that shirt is fantastic, girl. Uh, I thought that's what he was gonna call me out on. So some sports news because this is kind of a sports podcast. I don't know if any of you guys have been watching the uh, the world the World Series this week at all. Breaking There's news: still baseball. Yeah. Professional baseball breaking. <laughs> Justin Turner has been pulled from the game midway through the game as he tested positive for coronavirus. In the middle of the game? In yeah. the sixth, I think he was pulled. Because he tested positive. I didn't even see that. Yeah, it just it just hit Facebook now, so eh. was it? Wow. Did you see Andrew's post? Is that whose it was? Uh, actually, my brother Val. Okay. Um, and on another side note, the Dodgers did win the World Series, so congratulations to them and their fans, and may they go to hell. I mean... How did they... How, yeah, the heck with the Dodgers, we don't really care about them. How in the world does this guy even play in the game if he has to, if he was awaiting for a test result? Oh, I, I don't think it was like a... Well, I, so I know nothing. I just found out, just like Earl did, and you did. Um, I literally just read a post about it as well. Um, my guess would be they did their daily tests. His came back mid-game somehow and was positive, and they pulled him. How they don't just shut the game down, I don't know. I guess they figured if L.A. wins, because L.A. was winning at that point, then it's yeah. over. They don't have to worry about it. They don't have to come back. It's just done. Um, but yeah, that's that is crazy. That sounds like a massive failure on Major League Baseball's part to allow a player to take part who is still awaiting test results. I mean, yeah, unless they were unless they were all awaiting test results still, though. Unless it was, it, it could be something where he wasn't symptomatic, or there wasn't there. What I'm saying is, there wasn't a reason for the test other than it being a standard test. And everybody's results came back at the same time, and his came back positive. 
Well, if they're all waiting for test results, then why do they even why do they even play the game? My guess would be, I don't know. <laughs> money. I mean, you can postpone. You can postpone the game at least you know two hours. You know what? Put in just say it's a rain delay. You know, <laughs> I mean, you can push the game back if you're waiting for test results. I mean, well, you're potentially exposing 50, 50 plus other people. My guess is that in this playoffs, they have been doing this the whole time. And to give Major League Baseball the benefit of the doubt, it is something that they've been doing the whole time. They've been, it, the baseball playoff format was changed to be in like little pods, little bubbles, whatever you want to call it. So I assume they were testing, but they were always coming back negative. And for whatever reason, the test results were coming back mid game. I don't, I don't think it was a situation where they were waiting for test results, like anticipating anything to be bad because they're in a bubble and they've been in a bubble for a month and Justin Turner has still been playing. I don't know. I'll be very interested in details coming out, though, but I'm not going to jump to conclusions until then. So what they should do, just just some speculations, they should strip the title from the Dodgers. Yes, exactly. Just, just give it to the Cubs. No. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that last part there, but, you know, I remove the title, replay the game. You know, that's not that hard. Well, the team that was hurt by the person coming out is the team that won, so would yeah. have really mattered. Yeah, but, I don't know. That's not a word I'm Yeah, we're like forty-five <laughs> minutes into this thing. I don't think we've mentioned the word soccer except for in the intro. Yeah, we haven't really done that yet. Um, I do want to shout out one quick thing before we get do get her little news bits. Um, so I read an article today that was retweeted by Ron Patel, uh, former New Mexico United front office. Uh, personnel. He is with RGV now. He retweeted an article from a website called A Healthy Obsession. They are at AHO Footy Culture on Twitter. And such a fantastic read on soccer. I recommend you guys go check it out. Um, find Ron or my or uh, the Suncast uh, on Twitter. We've, we've retweeted it there as well. Um, a really great read. When it talks about uh, soccer and is it becoming the new is it basically replacing minor league baseball across America in, in smaller towns? So uh, really great read. United is mentioned multiple times throughout the article. Um, so definitely go check that out. Again, it's uh, the website is a healthy obsession. They're at a H O footy F O O T Y culture on Twitter. So I highly recommend you guys go check that out. All right. So getting into our news. First thing we want to talk about is, uh, we talked about it earlier in the season. We talked about how New Mexico United had received general outlay funds for uh, securing and looking for a location for a potential stadium. Uh, this came out on October 16th. The city re- released a statement saying the Keller administration initiates feasibility study for multi-purpose soccer stadium. The report will consider sites, economic feasibility, and concept design. So this is like the next step in this entire process. Now, yes, United did receive funds from the state to do this, but yeah, Mayor Mayor Tim Keller has stepped up and said that, uh, quote, New Mexico United has been great for Albuquerque, generating real excitement and a sense of community. Anyone who has been a part of one of these spell-out games at the lab knows Albuquerque is behind the scene and we're glad the state is investing in building that momentum into something special. 
Um, so yeah, this is uh, an official request from the city following an open and competitive request for propos proposals for this process. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. I think this is really good news. Uh, it's got, I think it has almost, almost if not unanimous support um, through the, from state senators and local, other local representatives. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, they said the vision for the project is a 10, uh, 10,500 to 15,000 seat multi-purpose stadium with a natural grass field designed for professional soccer. The project may also include an art slash cultural center component, which could potentially house a variety of exhibits, cultural and community events, and or commercial retail space and housing. So I know I was super excited when I read this. I know you guys were too. What do you guys think is going to is going to become of this? Where do you? I know we've, we've talked about other sites like the old rail yards as well as some others. I mean, we've already seen like one like fan rendering of what a stadium could look like, and I know this has been a big push. Um, and I know that USL wants clubs to have a stadium within three years. Of course, next year would be year three. However, I, I imagine there's some sort of leniency. So it, it's not have a stadium. It is have a plan or a stadium. Yeah, that is an important distinction to make there. Um, I mean, I think this is fantastic. I honestly didn't think Keller was going to come out and do this um, as vocal of, of the support as he has been of the club. But and Peter, of course, and the fans have all been very outspoken about needing a soccer-specific stadium. And, I mean, I think 10,500 is a little on the small side considering, you know, we can pack 15,000 into the lab. But, uh, I think this is fantastic. I think this is fantastic news for the for for the club, and it could be it could be a huge huge positive for the community. So I actually watched the news breaking the news, uh, the press release because I get those invites, um, being in my position that I am. Um, so I actually watched the press release as it was coming out. I see Jacob sarcastically yipping. Um, Anyways, third time I've tried to get this get this out, and he Mayor Keller was actually pretty adamant on the stadium being built somewhere's in or around the core of Albuquerque. So what does that even mean? I don't know because I don't live in Albuquerque. Maybe, maybe the city folk can tell me what the core of Albuquerque is. It's it's going to be in the rail yards. I I would bet all the money that I have on that, honestly. Um, it, it just, it makes the most sense. There's space there that's not being utilized. Uh, it's an area that they have been trying to work on to get revitalized forever now. And I don't see a better way to revitalize it than to put what has been the idea that I've heard going around of, you know, the multicultural have restaurants and stuff that are open, not just during soccer, but all the time. Did the mic pick that up? Yeah, the mic picked it up. I, I am worried because my motorcycle is parked right there. And it very well could have been my motorcycle falling down. Um, but I will check on it momentarily. Back to <laughs> what we were talking about. Oh, that's it. That's right. Um, so yeah, I I think it'll be in the rail yard. So Earl, if you're not familiar with where that is, oh, I know where that's you... at. Okay, okay. So I, I believe it. Where? In the middle of Homeless Villa. 
Yeah, kind of. The homeless villa is kind of everywhere in Albuquerque at times. So you've got but, Skip Ridge um, right there. You've got Good Shepherd right there. Um, just, yeah. Mr. I don't know Albuquerque over here dropping neighborhood names. Um, <laughs> I I think that I think that that's where it's going to be. I'm I'm excited that the next step has been taken. I didn't expect it during uh covid to be completely honest with you and all this i thought it would be delayed but um i'm happy that they are moving it forward and progressing and and hope that something good uh continues to come out of it the bottom line is, is if we were going to be in the usl championship we have to have a stadium or at least a plan for a stadium at some point so i'm positive that a stadium will get done uh it's just a matter of when and where and if it'll be, I, I could see them doing something like um, uh, Weiner Field did, where it's like a kind of a temporary job. Um, but we'll see. The thing with these studies is there really aren't too many places in and around Albuquerque that would support this type of development. So, I mean, when we talk about the rail yards, and I think we all felt that that was probably the best case scenario uh, initially. When the last study came out, and then I what was the other like a sawmill, uh, what was the other area, and then like somewhere else, like up the up the I forty corridor. But yeah, so the some of the places that he did mention in that conference had was obviously the rail yard because that's what everyone wants. Um, he mentioned sawmill area because that has the sawmill market right there. They can incorporate the sawmill market into the stadium. Um mentioned 12th and Lomas, which I was in that area over the weekend, last this past weekend, and they've already started tearing up all those those two free spots, the one right next to Burger King, the one next to Carlos Jr. They've already tore up those two spots, so I don't know what's going to happen with that, but those are the two spots, or the three spots he mentioned, the Sawmill Market, the rail yards and 12th and Loma. Yeah, I think the sawmill kind of makes sense to me, but the sawmill already has the hype and the buildup and they're already going to get customers and they've already, I've already heard it's a great place already. So you already have that established. Why not establish another thing and just continue to make Albuquerque better all around instead of just adding to one spot that's already going to be a good spot. So, like I said, I'd be shocked if it wasn't at the rail yards. So, I'll be excited wherever they put it, as long as it's not already the sports complex, the UNN sports complex that they have now. Yeah. And I, I think that uh, I think that that's the best place for it. People will talk about, you know, I, we've kind of talked about this, I think, Earl at least, or Seth and I at least. But where they put it no matter where they put it it's going to have transportation issues um it's going to there's going to be pluses and pros and cons to all of it like i know that one spot that was being talked about was um i think it's mesa del sol is what it's called which is where they practice and over there by the journal pavilion center and i don't know if you guys have been to concerts over there but it's a nightmare to get in and out of because there's only the two roads so it's also way out there yeah, and, and then that was my other point, is it's not where, like, th- they want it to be in in Albuquerque proper, like, in 
in somewhere that is going to revitalize areas, not add new areas. Um, and, and I think right there, man, you got, you got room for a parking structure there. You've got room for a tailgate lot. You got room for the stadium itself. You've got room for businesses and stuff like that. You got the rail runner that goes right by it. You could add a stop right there. Or I think there's a, I think there's a semi-close stop, but I think you could make a stop right there and have people run, ride the rail runner from all the way from Berlin to go to a match. Or Santa Fe. Or Santa just, Fe. Yeah. yeah. And, and just have, have easy access on and off right there. And now during matches, you know, rail runners don't typically run that late. Um, but you could run one North and one South from there at the end of the match and, and call it good. Uh, so the smart idea for Albuquerque obviously would be that the rail runner. So I went to New York. I've been to New York a couple times, um, for, with Peter for wrestling events. Um, the last event I went to with him in, in New York was raw 25 or something like that, where it was in Manhattan at the Barclay Center. So you had to take the 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 the, the subway subway out because you're in the you're parked right there. Um so for and it was convenient because there's a subway stop as soon as you walk out of Barclay there's a subway stop right there. Um so that would be smart for uh, United to actually park right there at uh rail yards because they would have access to rail runner and they could have two or three night runs to where they have the rail runner taking off. As soon as the game leaves, you have a 45 to an hour to an hour max window to get on that train and get going. I think that's where I would like to see it. I think that's where it'll end up. Um, and I, I'm so happy that we specifically the three of us and, and the curse, and the others that started Somos Inos News and the guys over at Seek and Strike are going to get to cover this and be a part of it and and enjoy it all from beginning to end, you know. Um, and I I hope that that this feasibility thing shows that it's going to be worth it and that it needs to be done because I do think that having another venue, not just for, for United games, but for a bunch of different things, uh, will be great. Honestly, I think the thing I'm most excited about for this is number one, seeing the stadium designs, seeing what fans come up with, seeing what, what, whatever architectural company is used, comes up with number two, a natural grass field on a, in a soccer specific stadium, no more sharing the field with the isotopes, no more split scheduling. We could host Open Cup. We could host playoffs. We could bring in MLS clubs. We could, like, it, it, there's so many possibilities of what this facility could do that it's just, it's just exciting to think about it all the way around. My, the most exciting thing to me is. So last year when we would go cover the games and we would go up those stairs there at Isotopes Park up to the media area, you know, you just look around and you see all this Isotopes memorabilia and pictures and jerseys and stuff like that. One day we will be able to walk upstairs to a media center that is 
decorated strictly with United stuff. And then we'll have the picture of all the guys jumping on Devin after the first goal in United history. And it'll have, you know, Cody saving a, a penalty against Colorado Springs to send us on. It'll have all of that and pictures of it everywhere, especially from, you know, Josh Lane and, and the fantastic photographers that United has had and, and all the moments that they were able to capture, especially in that first year when we had people at the games and stuff and actually had home games. And, and I, I can't wait to just see all that strewn throughout the suites and the media area and all that. And that every time I walked up those stairs at Isotopes Park, I was like, one day, one day I will still be covering this team and we will be able to walk up a freaking brand new stadium set of stairs with United stuff everywhere. And my heart cannot wait for that day to get here. And just think too, we won't have those giant bushes and trees out in center field to look at anymore. Proper camera angles. You know, it's going to be, I think they're going to do something too to help reduce the glare so we don't get the, uh, the lens flares. So I I think we're good. You know, it's super exciting. I can't wait to see what happens with it. Guys, I've got good news, breaking news. The motorcycle is still standing. That's good. Good. That's good. No insurance claim. I'm sure our listeners will be uh, happy to hear that. So Yes, yes. All right. Moving right along. Next up, um, there hasn't really been a whole lot of news. Uh, United did delay the uh, the event that they were going to have this past Saturday. Uh, anyone who purchased a ticket will be able to attend the event when it does happen. Uh, they have not released a date on that yet. So as soon as we know, we will let you guys know. There was some news reported today from Grant Wall who reported that there's a chance that the USL may not return until May of 2021. Now, the season typically begins in March. Um, however, it sounds like COVID is going to have an even longer lasting effect than what everyone kind of thought was going to happen. It'll be gone by next week. <laughs> Just inject bleach into your veins. There you go. <laughs> People, please do not inject bleach into your veins. We are being sarcastic here. COVID will not be gone next week. Please, please, please take care of yourselves. Um, I mean, what are your... Yes. It, it won't be gone next week because it's fake. Everybody knows that. <laughs> there you go. That's exactly how we're going to think about that from now on. So. <laughs> I mean, US still not returning to May is, is a big deal. I mean, that gives clubs extra time to to sign players. Not that there's really a deadline day, so to speak, for the league. I mean, you sign players basically all the way up until like September, October anyway. So we may see just later announcements from the league. We may see it's probably going to give them more time to determine what sort of format they're going to have for next year. I mean, I personally would be kind of disappointed if it didn't return until May, but I understand if that's what happens. What are you guys' takes on this? I'm okay with it. I truly am. Um, just because obviously safety is the number one thing and the way the USL did it this season where they actually thought about safety of the players, safety of the players' families, it it worked out in the long run. I mean, this whole division thing was a neat idea and I do see them probably redoing that idea um obviously they're gonna have to rework the division because of the mls 
pulling their MLS two teams. So now they have to revamp their whole their whole idea and what they had going on this season. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm for it. I mean, we waited till July to get us a game this year, so why not wait till June? I I understand the idea of being for it. And just from a personal selfish standpoint, I hate it because it already feels it's, it's actually a pretty short off season, but it just feels so long. Um, and, you know, come March, you know, I'm itching to watch a match and, and see what the club did and everything like that. So it's that part of it will suck. However, I believe that they are probably doing this to see for a bunch of different reasons. Obviously COVID is, is part of it. And if this means that if we start in March, we can't have people in the fans, but if we start in May, we can, then I'm obviously for that. If this means that I think part of what they could be doing is waiting to see what happens with the rest of the MLS two teams, because unless I miss something, they have just announced three of them leaving. Um, and not announced where they are going. So they're, they haven't said if they're going to League One or if they're going to uh, this MLS Reserve League that there's been rumors about. They don't, not, nothing has come out concrete about those three teams. So I'm curious to see if part of this is giving the MLS more time to figure out what they're doing, maybe get all the MLS two sides out. Um, and, and let the independent clubs kind of run the league now. So I understand the reasons for it. If 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 the delay leads to certain things happening, like more players or more fans in the stadium, uh, a more concrete idea of what the MLS two teams are doing, a more concrete idea of con- conferences or divisions or whatever they're going to do then it's then it's good. If they just push it back to May and nothing changes, I'm going to be pretty upset. I'm fairly certain that the MLS two teams are all going to go to the new MLS Reserve League because um, they are very clearly at this point trying to distance themselves even more from the USL, uh, which is rather unfortunate because if USSF can get their shit together, then the US Federation as a whole is that much better. So... That's what I think is going to happen. I think it, that's that's probably what it is, but um, you know, there's still there's still a championship to be played and an off season to be had and decisions to be made. I I think for the most part, I think everybody would be okay with all the MLS two teams leaving. Um, just you 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 might lose somebody like Real Monarchs, who's a good team, and that we've got you know the Four Corners Cup with and stuff like that. But you also get rid of Tempers too, who had a terrible year. You get rid of Los Doge. You get rid of Bethlehem. You get rid of teams that that um, aren't really doing anything to better the league. Um, and the MLS teams that own them are looking out for what's best for the MLS teams, not what's best for the USL league. So. <clears throat> We shall see what happens there, but um, I, I do think changes are afoot. All right, so let's move right along, Dan. 
really the last thing we have to talk about this week is the USL finals are set. Phoenix Rising FC will be traveling to Tampa to take on the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Uh, Louisville City did lose to Tampa Bay by a final of 2-1 to one on Saturday night. Did you guys watch this match? I watched the last like 30 minutes of it. Um, we were on the road coming back from our family cabin. Um, so I, I did eventually have my wife start driving so that I could watch them. Um, and it was, it was entertaining what, what I saw of it. It was a well-played match and, um, Tampa definitely earned their spot in the championship. So the save from Tampa in minute is what saved their season. I mean, that was a, on, that was a spot on shot and it was incredibly saved. Um, and in my opinion, that's actually what saved their season. Cause then at that point, that's when Tampa started playing again. I mean, they started off playing good other than the own goal in the 20th minute. I think it was, um, it was first half. I know that, um, they played a phenomenal game. Um, and then that 80th and then second half, they kind of came out sluggish until that 80th minute save. And then they just, they shut it down at that point. Yeah. I, unfortunately I didn't watch any, the, any of this match. Um, I've watched it. I've looked at the highlights of it and yeah, it's like Tampa just kind of controlled it for much of the match. And I mean, Tampa has been one of the best teams over the past two seasons. Um, so congratulations to Tampa on moving forward. And it's an interesting year. I mean, the the Rays are in the World Series. The Lightning were in the Stanley Cup. And now you've got the Rowdies in the finals of the USL. So you're you're whoa. You're not going to mention Tampa Tampa Bay Brady or Tampa Bay? Really? You also have <laughs> no Tampa Bay. They're not in the Super Bowl yet. Still, but they are still. five and two. They are. <laughs> But they are five and two in a miserable uh, NFC, NFC South. So I'm just happy. No, it's not miserable. Carolina they're looks fine. The only team that's miserable in the South, Seth, is you guys. No, not a Car- Carolina's not that good. They're better than you guys, for one. <laughs> By a we're, lot. Yeah, we're not bad. We're just on our fifth string in several positions. And our defense has no idea how to stop anybody. Seth. <laughs> what about Rico to a quarterback spot? Seth. Hold on, Earl. We'll get to your team in a second. Seth. <laughs> your team just finds ways to lose. And at first it was like, okay, well, this is Danny Quinn's problem. But then Todd Gurley accidentally falls into the end zone. And that's why you guys lose? <laughs> Like, yeah. it's just Todd Gurley falling into the end zone wasn't the problem. Yes, it didn't help, but the problem is on our defense. If we had made one stop, one stop on that final drive, it would have been over. And we couldn't do it. We have no secondary at all. Against Matt Stafford, who's one of the most prolific passers over the past decade, 
But it's it's not like it's not like it was like forty two to forty five. It was twenty two to twenty one. Like it wasn't a huge shootout. And like I said, if Todd Gurley just doesn't score and he just falls down a yard short, you don't even have to worry about your defense coming back out there. It's over. Yeah, you got the game in hand. So it it's just it's incredible that you guys went to a Super Bowl and had a twenty eight to three lead. And then now it's just shooting yourself in the foot uh, time after time after time after time. Yeah, we need some large-scale changes to uh, to rectify that. So, yeah. All right, let's move right along to the other match. Do we have to? Like, I'd much rather I'd much rather talk about the terrible Cowboys. That brings way more joy to my heart than. <laughs> than, than Unfortunately, we do have to move on to the second match. Phoenix Rising defeated El Paso. Pokemon FC and after penalties, um, El Paso missed two of four shots and Locomotive hit, I'm sorry, Phoenix hit four, all four of them. Um, looks like it was a very physical match, a lot of yellow cards handed out. Again, I didn't really watch too much of this one. I really didn't care to. Really only caught the highlights. And did you guys watch any of this one at all? I watched until the first hydration break. And then I said, this is enough. It's enough punishing myself. And I turned it off and I went to bed. Um, I will say, though, I did watch the highlights and the replay at the end or the next morning and watching um, penis head Logan Ketterer get pissed off. Uh. <laughs> that, that was the joy of my that was the highlight. I, I loved this stretch um, in extra time. It was from the second minute of added time in the first half of extra time. You had a yellow card, and then in the first minute of the second half, you had a yellow card, and then in the third minute of the second half, you had a yellow card, and then in the sixth minute of the second half, you had a yellow card. Oh, and then you had another yellow card in the ninth minute or in the fourth minute and another one in the eighth minute. So in an eight minute stretch, you had six yellow cards and it was all of it was the epitome of why both of these teams are just so freaking annoying. You had a yellow card on Asante for arguing. You had a yellow card on Richie Ryan for arguing. You had three yellow cards for fouls followed by flops from the people that they fouled and flailing. It was, it was Phoenix rising versus El Paso locomotive in a nutshell. And it was, it was very comical for me. And for those that you listened last year or last week, um, I was pretty adamant about rooting for Phoenix to, you know, go all the way. Cause I felt bad for their fans and, and this, that and the other, and then they come out and win this game and their fans pissed me off. The players watching this game pissed me off. So, um phoenix sucks yet again and as somebody who roots it's true as somebody that roots for the football team the other football team in tampa bay and the baseball team in tampa bay fairly regularly they're one of my favorite al teams uh we're going to be rooting for the tampa bay rowdies um pretty hard because i don't want to see phoenix raise a freaking trophy so I was actually quite upset because I was hoping for the freaking meteor. And I was yeah. it happen. 
I, you know, it, it almost did, guys. It almost did. But sadly, we live in a world that has Phoenix in the championship. I will say uh, I'm a little upset because, so with Tampa Bay winning, correct me if I'm wrong, Seth, but that pulled me within one of you in our pick'em. Yeah, you guys are actually, uh, yeah, you're within one, and Earl is still two back. So, so Earl's um, done. I yeah, could technically Earl is tie. done. I could technically tie, but I'm relatively sure we're going to pick the same team. <laughs> and part of me wants to keep Phoenix just to possibly have that tie, but it wouldn't be honest. It wouldn't be right. So <laughs> I present to you, Seth, the 2020 playoff pick'em Suncast Championship. Seth Ah, thank you guys. Thank you so much. I uh, I just want to say thank you to the Academy and the Eastern Conference. So I'm gonna let you finish in a minute, Seth. But Earl's the real MVP. <laughs> I don't know if you guys paid any attention to social media after the, during and after this match, but apparently there was a whole mess of people not happy about this one either. You're running. Wrong calls, missed calls, and other sorts of nonsense. I mean, can Phoenix Rising win a match at this point without there being some sort of controversy? No. See, I didn't see. I didn't see controversy as far as on the field um, during the match. Like, there's always going to be some calls here and there that could be this or could be that. But um, for the most part, I didn't see any real. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Backlash to what happened during the match. I have, however, seen a boatload of backlash for the celebration after the match. Yes. And, um, you know, Arizonans are just going to Arizona. In. That's, that's, that's what's going on there. So I don't, it, I, part of it is, you know, my, my feeling on, on COVID to an extent, uh, I know it's real. I know it's dangerous. I'm, I, I am somebody that has never lived my life in fear, um, and I will protect the loved ones that I have that are susceptible to it. But something with a ninety-nine point whatever percent survival rate um, isn't going to keep me from doing some things. That being said, I would have never done what Phoenix Rising and their fans did. <laughs> Right? Why? Number one, why would you have your fans on the field to celebrate with you? Number one. Number two, you've got fans on the field without masks. And then some of those fans go and kiss the cup, which then gets passed around among players, fans, and so on. And yeah, that's just absolutely ridiculous. I don't think that should happen. And like Twitter was... No, Twitter was on it. Yeah, it, it was all over it. And then... To follow that up, like, you know, I saw Jeff Ruder tweet about it, and then there are some unbelievably, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to very nicely call a couple members of, I believe, the Banditos classy um, for basically going after Jeff Ruder for having an opinion on it. Like, it's just the CL part. Yeah. It's just one of those things like Jeff Ruder has every right to say what he wants to say about it. And I think you're going to find a lot of people agree with Jeff Ruder and others that Phoenix Rising never should have let that happen. 
and then for them to go after Jeff Ruger the way that they did, and the, uh, using the language and, and the manner that they went after, completely disgusting behavior from rising fans once again. So here's my take on it all. And for one, I give Jeff Ruder's Jeff Ruder kudos. Um, I like everyone else here know how hard it is to cover a team and try to figure something out for a team to write. Um, with that being said, I hate El Paso and I hate Phoenix. Um, the fact Part of this whole return to play thing was obviously you're pretty much in a bubble. You don't expose yourself to people outside of your personal bubble, outside of the club, um, and all that nonsense. But then there's Phoenix, who literally let their fans jump the stands, hop on the field, obviously breaking social distance COVID COVID protocol by not social distancing, not wearing a freaking mask, and we all know every player on Phoenix was tested, but how many of those Phoenix fans were tested? That's the big That's a very good question. That was my issue was the whole USL in, in general had this whole testing policy put into place where you don't come in contact with people, pretty much protected from every aspect of COVID, you're tested three to four times a week to avoid any nonsense, but then you're going to let your freaking supporter group jump the barrier to kiss a freaking cup? I mean, yeah, Phoenix fans can say that I'm bitter because we didn't win the freaking cup. Guess what? We have next year, and the year after that, and the year after that. Our time will come. And I can rest assured that if we're still in this crazy COVID nonsense world, United won't let their fans, won't let the curse jump the barrier to kiss the cup. Yeah, that's one thing that United has done very well throughout all of this is they've maintained testing protocols and they've had one, one positive case within the entire organization. And it wasn't even someone that was, that had daily or had really had contact with the club, you know, the actual, the actual players. During all of this, it was someone like at like the, the team store or the front office or something. I don't remember exactly. They never said exactly who it was, but one positive test and didn't affect United on the pitch at all. But if you look around the league, you look at the, all the other teams that had matches rescheduled and or canceled because of it, because of positive player tests or people you know, within the bubble. And then you've got Phoenix, let's, yeah, just lets this happen. That's just uh, that's just ridiculous. I mean, you would think that Phoenix Rising has had enough bad PR over the past month and a half that that this wouldn't have even been a possibility. They're just they're just leaning into this villain thing. So they're, I think they're just looking for ways to piss people off at this point. <laughs> and honestly, enough people, some people, I say, you know, that, that uh, Phoenix is, li- is living in our heads, you know, rent free or whatever. But this isn't a one of those rent free moments. This isn't a ragging on Phoenix just because we can frag on Phoenix moment. This is a what the hell are you doing moment. This is like a legit issue. Freaking moment we're in type of deal. See, I I, I think everybody can agree that what they did was stupid and irresponsible and should have never happened. 
I'm just not going to blow up on Twitter about it. I just, I don't, I don't care because what's going to happen is Phoenix is going to have to pay the price for that stupidness, especially if, say, Santi or Asante or Lubin end up with COVID and can't play in the championship. Like, they're they're going to be screwed if that's what happens. So, um, whatever, I, I'm not going to get online and be like shaking my fist, saying how dumb it was because everybody knows it was dumb. I'm sure Phoenix knows it was dumb in the law in the grand scheme of things after the fact, but I'm not going to freak out about it and throw a big old fit about it because it doesn't do anybody any good. No, you're right. It doesn't. I mean, the only thing that I said about it was I screen capped the responses that Jeff Reuter got on his tweet about it. Mm-hmm. And all I said was just stay classy, rising fans. Yeah, that's all I said. And see, I didn't I didn't see any of that ordeal. Um, and if what you're saying, or if you're saying that what they said is bad, then I'll take your word for it. Reuter, this is where... I don't we're we're in such a weird time and with such a small league and with Reuter being the only real national voice behind it he in my opinion lets his personal opinions affect his reporting of the league a little bit too much at times when he has that much power over the coverage that the league gets um as as someone who's at least quasi media i do my best to look at things from an unbiased uh way as far as what my personal opinions on the club are um and i i'm not going to take anything away from him he's 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 a thousand times the reporter and journalist that i will ever be um and I understand that there are hot topic situations and and issues that are needing to be addressed, uh, whether it's the homophobic slur, whether it's COVID and whatnot. Um, but when he has his, when he posts his personal opinion with a report, it can greatly affect how the outside looks at the league. And I don't like that he has that much power and that he can use one man's opinion to sway thousands of people's opinion on a league that while there are mistakes made, it is still a good league in my opinion. That doesn't excuse anything that Phoenix said that was out of line though, just to be clear. I'm not defending Phoenix fans um, for anything that they said. That's just something that I've noticed that Reuter does that I feel uncomfortable with. No, I get that. And, you know, I don't, you know, there's a, yeah, I don't see any reason that anyone should hold any of that against you. And like, I know we all have our, our own little bit of personal bias whenever we, whenever we talk about clubs that, you know, that aren't our own or even our own clubs. And, you know, Jeff has been covering the USL for a while and he's bound to be invested in it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't, I don't hold that against him at all. And, 
we just have to look at it and say, okay, what is, is this person like trying to work an angle? What are they what are they trying to accomplish with what they're putting out? Right. And I don't think he was trying to be malicious about it. I think he was trying to say, look, USL, why is this happening? I, I agree. I don't think it was malicious in any way, shape, or form. I just don't like the fact that he maliciously or not can sway so many people because he's the only person that really covers the USL. And if you stumble across one of his articles on the athletic and you're not a USL fan and you read it or you follow him on Twitter because of his MLS coverage or his Minnesota United coverage or whatever, and then you see him badmouthing the USL from a non-reportive level or a non-professional level, in my opinion, then you're not going to want to watch the USL because you think they're a clown show because of some of the stuff he has posted of his personal opinion. And that's where I think the line gets fuzzy and can get crossed at times. And I, I, I don't think at all he is doing it with the intent of hurting the league, but he has to be cognizant. He has to be, he has to recognize that his doing so can and will hurt the league if he's not careful. Can we just name this the COVID cup? <laughs> Might as well, man. It's it, uh, to be completely honest. Like, had we won the cup, obviously I would have been excited. Obviously, I would have been probably through the moon, screaming and screaming at my TV or laptop, whatever I decided to watch it on. Um, but at the same time, it with with what this team has meant, what United has meant to the community, it would be super weird and kind of sad to have them win a championship the year that there's no fans and no home games and everything like yeah. that. Like I would be super bummed about that. Um, if but we think were of the ESPN one. 30 for 30, that would create, it could be a good <laughs> one. It could have been. Yeah. You talk about the way that we cover stuff, the way that, you know, Jeff Reuter covers things and, or how he's, how he says things and how it could affect people's uh, takes or views on a, a league or a club as a whole. There's a one particular MLS writer that I've actually gotten into arguments with on Twitter. I cannot stand this guy. Um, and he has some of, in my opinion, some of the worst takes ever. And, but at the same time, like, it's not going to dissuade me from watching MLS. Like, if I'm interested in USL soccer, I'm going to watch USL soccer. If I'm interested in MLS, I'm going to watch MLS. I, it doesn't matter to me what one person says. As idiotic as it may seem, or as biased as their opinion may seem, I just have to, I just have to know that going into it, if I read something by this person, that's the kind of level of reporting that I'm going to get. Right. Well, first of all, can you name drop there? At MLSist, Pablo Maurer. Okay. The guy's an absolute tool. Don't, don't how do I, how do I get an invite sent to this guy for next week's podcast? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, see, the thing is that, like, I think Reuter is a fantastic journalist. Like, I think a lot of the pieces that he has written on the USL are just mwah, chef's kiss. Um, and I think that because of that, like, like with this guy that you're talking about, like, if if he's a tool, then most people know he's a tool and most people go into his coverage knowing that. And 
the MLS has enough writers that you can throw out one reporter's toolness, tooliness, as I'm going to say, and it doesn't affect the league as a whole. With USL, that's not the case. It's Reuter, and then it's the USL website, and then that's basically it. Um, so if Reuter is a key to me to bring in new viewers because he has followers that follow the MLS and not the USL, and he has the power to push them away or pull them in. And it's irresponsible in my head or in my eyes to post some of the things he's posted about the USL and not at least know that what he's posting can push people away from the USL. So while you're, you're, your not analogy, but your comparison with the MLS writer, I understand points of it. I think the MLS and the USL are two completely different in complete two completely different situations where the MLS can allow for one of those guys to talk bad about the league. And people are just going to be like, okay, whatever we'll, we'll follow these other people or we know what the MLS is already because it's been around. And we know that this guy's a joke with the USL, man, we're trying to build, we're trying to become, the best second division in world soccer. And I feel like we're on an upward trajectory. And just because we have one team, one player from one team use a homophobic slur and the MLS might, or the USL might not have handled it the best way for him to come out and say that he wasn't even going to, or he was considering not even following the league, covering the league anymore for something that is such a weird and unique situation. And it might not have been handled exactly perfectly, but I feel like it was handled fairly fair to, for lack of a better word. Um, that to me is irresponsible. And it, it shows a lack of awareness of his platform and just a lack of awareness on you're covering this league. You should know that, you know, it's not 100% on the league for this one player's actions and how to handle it. They're doing their best. It's a growing league. So that's just where I've 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 had my issues with the way Reuter tweets in particular as well. But I don't go into the comment section and blow them up like Phoenix fans apparently do. All right. So I think I think that's all we're gonna have to say about those two matches. Uh we do have one final prediction to make. Uh Jacob has already seeded the cup, so uh, just for just for fun, the fun of it, predictions on the USL final, guys. Uh, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay. Like I think all three <laughs> of us, all three of us, I'm assuming are going to pick Tampa Bay. That's where I was going with it. I don't know about Earl, but Earl's nodding over there. So, so yeah, I, I just feel like I, I feel like Tampa is a more polished club. Uh, I think they are. I think they're genuinely just a better club all around. Earl's holding up three fingers. I'm not sure what three means, but... Two to one. Oh, two one, two one. All right. Well, there you have it, guys. Here's our predictions for the USL final. It's been one heck of a season. Uh, I'm just Earl, I'm just happy there was a season, if we're right? being completely honest. like it When it got shut down in March, there was no telling what was going to happen. So I'm... I'm happy that the USL put it together. They kept it fairly COVID-free. Um, 
uh, we talked about the bubble versus the bubble versus what they did. And this was the only way they could really go, I think. So um, I feel like it was it was the best thing they could do. It worked out. Um, it's going to provide. I mean, no matter what you think of Phoenix, they were they are a good club. So it's going to provide a worthy champion, uh, in my opinion, no matter who wins. Um, even with all the drama that Phoenix had, um, they they proved that they're they're a really good soccer club. So, um, kudos to them for for putting it all together and making the year work and and dealing with COVID hotspots and issues as it came up. And um, we're here, man. We're like five days away from from the end. So. Again, just I'm happy that we were here. I'm happy we were able to do this. I'm happy Earl decided to finally break his curfew and bedtime and stay up with us one night a week. <laughs> and, speaking with my wife doesn't approve of this. of this. I'm sure. I'm sure. My wife my wife doesn't really care for it either, if we're being honest. But <laughs> um she understands my passion and my love for not only United but the podcast as well and and what we're trying to build here at uh, at Dad Ventures Media, with not just the United coverage from Sun, but also the the Dad part of it. So, which speaking of so that, I don't know cool. if you caught my little I don't know if you caught my little pun I threw out this morning. I don't know about uh, Dad bods. Oh yeah, on that post. <laughs> so you're not you're not on there, Seth. Uh, but uh, there was a a gentleman that is also a United supporter. Uh, he helped us with Sun. Uh, last year a little bit um and he posted this post that said uh, your your weight in high school versus your weight now um and i commented on there and i said uh 180 in high school versus 100 or versus about 200 right now uh and then said it was all belly fat another guy chimed in said i think you mean dad bod and earl Earl, the ever so slick Earl over here, says, I think you mean Dad Venture Bod. And I was like, Yes, Earl. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Earl, for that. Yeah, it's yeah, it's been a trip. I, I couldn't even imagine being in high school right now. But yeah, I mean it, it's been a it's been a great season. Earl, we're glad we're glad to have had you on with us uh the past couple of months and uh appreciate both you guys and uh we give a big thank you to your, to both your wives from me for uh for coming and you guys stay up and do this. Uh, Aaron doesn't really have a problem with it. She just, uh, you know, she's, she's, she's a go for it. Enjoy it. Do what you want do what you want to do. So, you know, it's, uh, I'm glad to have the opportunity to do this with you guys. Um, so before we get out of here, I know it's getting, starting to get a little bit late. Earl, you challenged Jacob and I to something in our group chat, uh, here the other day. What exactly is this challenge that you've presented to us? So this challenge, and I don't know how many viewers we have. I hope it's about 100,000 to get the word out. Um, so the challenge that I issued is the Mission 22 challenge. So I personally am an ambassador for Mission 22 to where uh, November is, which I'm sure Jacob didn't know that, but yeah, I'm an ambassador for Mission 22, um, where November is Veteran Suicide Awareness Month. So you anything you possibly do to raise veteran suicide awareness. Obviously I'm all for that. I have family that's veterans. Um, my in-laws are veterans. So yeah, so obviously I'm all for that. It's a pretty cool idea. 
So the challenge I challenged you guys to was the Mission 22 Challenge, which we did it last season, and it was super, super successful. We're, we raised over a thousand bucks um, in a matter of a weekend. I believe it was. It was a pretty quick thousand bucks that got donated in. Um, this season, I'm not going all out and going all crazy like I did last season. It's a simple 22 push-ups for 22 days straight. So every morning or every night or every day, really, you bust out 22 push-ups in the hopes that you challenge someone else. And when they ask you what the heck is this for, uh, you can explain them, well, 22 push-ups for the 18 to 22 veterans that commit suicide a day. All right. Yeah. I didn't know. I honestly, I think I'd heard about this last year. I didn't know too much about it. I didn't know that you were an ambassador for Mission 22. What else? So Jake and I have both agreed to take part in this. I mean, we're going to do 22 push-ups every day for 22 days. I mean, for at least 22 days, I should say. How, what else can we do as, as a group or individually to help spread the word about this? Like, is there a hashtag that we, that we can be putting out? Are there articles that we can be linking to? What can we do to help spread awareness? So, yeah, so if you want to if you want to spread awareness, there's a couple things you can obviously do. Number one, obviously, the push-up challenge. Um, that's the easiest way. And then when you challenge someone else, you explain to them. That way you're spreading the word like wildfire. Um, every day you challenge someone different. So at the end of the 22 days, that is – God, I'm terrible at math, but 22 times 22 – or 22 times 2, 44. Sorry, I, I should have known that. Um, that's obviously the easiest way. The more difficult way, if you want to say, is donate money. Uh, just go to mission22.com, click on the donate button right down the top. Donate as much as you want. Donate $1. You can donate 500 if you want. Um, I know a couple people have donated $22. And I will give a shout out to those special people like Andres uh, Trujillo, the owner of New Mexico Runners. He has donated actually $66. He's donated $22 on the Sun page, on the Sun post that I put up yesterday. And then our good friend and one of my closest friends, Chris, he accepted the challenge as well yesterday. And he issued a stronger challenge to 22 of his friends to donate $22 in the hopes of raising $506. Um, Andres obviously took that challenge for him and donated 44. So kudos to Andres. Um, I know Chris is also doing the push-ups as well. He's issued his challenge. I've issued my challenges for two days. Tomorrow I do plan on challenging some other people. Not sure who yet because I did get some backlash today on my post. So I don't know who I'm going to challenge tomorrow. I might have to think about it just a little bit. Um, another way you can obviously spread awareness is share their page. They're on Facebook. They're on Twitter. They're on Instagram. Like them. Subscribe to them. Uh, turn on your notifications to when they go live. Um, and if you... If you care, you can always become an ambassador. It's a real quick 15-minute process. Um, you just go to mission22.com, click on the link to become an ambassador, and you just go through the application process. It's real simple. It's a lot of fun, super, super informative. 
Um, the website mission22.com gives you everything you could possibly need from, and I'm going to scroll to that page real quick. Uh, gives you everything you could possibly need from if you want to buy some t-shirts and buy some hats to wristbands. Uh, my internet is running super, super slow right now, so bear with me. You can obviously donate on their website. You can join them. You can find some events. You can literally do anything you possibly want. So what they're requesting right now is to share them on social media to get their word out just because obviously everyone right now is at home. So all they do all day and I could vouch for this is you sit on Facebook or you sit on Twitter and you become a Twitter troll and you just watch everything. So yeah, so those are the easiest ways the, the push up challenge, like them on social media, share their page on social media too. Don't just Twitter troll them. Like them and share their page. Get subscribed to them. Buy some merch. Some pretty cool Mission 22 t-shirts. Mission 22 hat. There's some pretty awesome Mission 22 wristbands. And somewhere's in this desk. Somewhere's on this desk. I do have a Mission 22 sticker. Um, it's a little black sticker. It has Mission 22 on it. I will guarantee have that next week, and I can show it on here next week. Um, and just donate. I mean, there's not a minimum amount you can donate, so donate what you can. All right. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And Earl, if you want to send me the links uh, to your Facebook post, and we'll get a link to Mission 22 in the show notes this week. Uh, we definitely do want to continue to push this. And, you know, I've done fundraising for, for veterans and before and active duty troops through Operation Supply Drop. And so I've had family in the military in the past. I obviously have never served, but I do appreciate everything that our veterans and current uh, Armed Forces members do for our country each and every day. And if we could just help bring awareness to this, so we'll continue to put out things on social media, on our Twitter. Uh, I'll, I'll put something on my personal Twitter. I'll try to do like a Maybe like a quick video every day of me actually doing the push-ups to hold myself accountable or something like that. But um, you know, be on the lookout. We might tag we might tag some of you guys, uh, our followers over on Facebook or Twitter, as far as issuing the, the same challenge to you guys: 22 push-ups a day for 22 days uh, here in the month of November. And we hope that you guys will join with us in bringing awareness to this program. Yeah, I think you guys covered it pretty well there. Well. We're gonna do our best to to help Earl and and Mission Twenty Two to get recognition and get uh, their name out there and get uh, awareness raised for for everything going on there. So I think that about does it. Uh, like we talked about, we will be back next week, I believe, um, to cover the final and any news that breaks, and then I think we will go to biweekly after that, if I'm not mistaken. So. Um, catch us next week. Uh, same time, same place. Um, I think we've kind of covered all of our social media in this episode already, but just to recap, um, we got the at Suncast on Twitter, at Somosinos News on Twitter, uh, Somosinos News on Facebook, Seth and Instagram. Has, and Instagram. I don't have the login for that anymore, though, so it's been pretty dormant. But, uh, um, yeah, I've been looking at it lately. 
Okay. So Seth, I know has a personal Twitter. Earl, I believe has a personal Twitter. I do not, um, but I am on Facebook. You can reach us all on our personal pages on any social media platform, or you can email us Seth Earl or Jacob at dadventuresmedia.com. Um, we will eventually get access to those. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we, we didn't have a lot to cover today. There's not a lot of United U news. Um, I, I personally, I can't speak to for Seth and Earl, but I am very excited about the off season to see what this club does and who they bring back and who they add to the fold. And um, cause I don't, I don't think they've had a bad signing. Uh, I don't think any of the signings that they made between year one and year two were bad. Um, and they were all impactful. So I expect to see more of that um, moving forward. So we'll keep you updated on any news that happens with the roster or front office or anything like that. So again, thank you guys so much for watching and, and listening to the podcast. And uh, if you're listening on iTunes, please rate and review um, and uh, any, any other podcast that has ratings, uh, please do. It helps us. Uh, any other podcast player that has ratings, sorry, uh, please do. It helps us in their their algorithm, and it lets us know how we're good doing. If you uh, be honest about it and you love it and you give us five stars, awesome. Uh, if you think we could do better, leave us a review and let us know what we can do wrong or what we're doing wrong and what we can improve on. And uh, I think I think um, with some of those news being by the fans and for the fans, you know, we want to make you fans happy. Um, so if there's anything that we can do um, aside from changing each of our personalities <laughs> all together, you know, we will do that to the best of our ability. So thanks guys. Um, hopefully watch Phoenix lose this weekend. If not, I completely understand. There's a bunch of other things to be doing this weekend with Halloween and whatnot. So uh, be safe out there, wear your masks, social distance. Um, if you have snow, like we happen to here, you know, be safe driving in it and, uh, stay warm and don't forget to vote. Exactly. Exactly. So with that guys, unless Seth or Earl have anything else to say, uh, we'll be done for the evening and until next week, someone see us. You've been listening to Suncast, the official podcast of Somos Unidos News. All of our shows are recorded live from Albuquerque and Los Lunas, New Mexico, are written and produced by Seth Bidoff and Jacob Terrell, and are edited by Seth. Special thanks to Jeff, too, on YouTube for the music you hear in every episode. All episodes are recorded and edited using Clean Feed and Audacity. All of our shows are proudly hosted on Pinecast.